Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Be sure to visit robertjmorgan.com where you'll find Rob's blog posts, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Hello, everyone. Thank you for continuing to follow my Bible study podcast. Bible teachers really are not worth very much unless they have someone to whom to teach. And so you're listening to this podcast and sharing it with others means so very much. I've really been pleased by the number of people who have told me just recently that they're listening every week. Thank you. We have recently finished a paragraph-by-paragraph study of the book of Philippians, And for a few weeks, I want to share some miscellaneous messages that have been on my mind. And today's message is about prayer as spiritual warfare. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? And the passage that we're coming to, really just one verse I want to focus on, is Ephesians 6.18. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. So if you have a Bible, you might want to check it out. It says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then he goes on to say, Paul does, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, Ephesians 6.18 is truly one of the Bible's great verses on the subject of prayer, and it's notable for its fourfold use of the word all, A-L-L and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All, 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 all. Paul is being very uh, emphatic here in what he is saying. This passage comes at the end of his discussion about spiritual warfare. So go back up to verse 10 and see how he gets into the subject. He says in Ephesians 6, 10 and following, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And then he lists these various pieces of armor, and he ends with this verse about prayer, verse 18. So prayer is a major part of our strategy when it comes to spiritual warfare. It's important in this way in at least three different aspects. First, the very action of prayer places us in a strong and safe zone. The devil and his hordes of demonic and spiritual foes are trying to trip us up every single day. But they have a very hard time doing any real and lasting damage to a praying Christian. 
when we are in our place of prayer and the very presence of God and the Holy of Holies talking with the Lord as a person talks to a friend, Satan is hindered in his ability to genuinely harm us. Secondly, while we are there in that safe zone of our Holy of Holies, our prayer time, we can ask God for divine protection. In the Lord's Prayer, there's a phrase that says, deliver us from evil. And many commentators believe, and I agree with them, that it's better rendered, deliver us from the evil one. And then in his great prayer in John 17, Jesus prayed something very similar for his disciples, saying, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. How we need to pray for ourselves and for our children and for our family members, for our church members, for our pastor, for others, that the Lord would protect them from the evil one. This is, if it was important for Jesus to pray that, how much more for us? And thirdly, when we pray, we can also implore the Lord against the devil's schemes. We can say, look, Lord, at how Satan is trying to draw my son or my daughter into the wrong crowd. Lord, rebuke his schemes and frustrate his plans. Prayer is a battleground. Think of how the prophet Daniel prayed for three weeks, and the answer to his prayer was hindered by the conflict taking place between angels and demons, as we read about in Daniel chapter 10, but the answer came through at last, and Daniel had the victory. Well, I would like to suggest, as a practical application to all of this, that you have a little nook in your home, a small desk, an alcove, a cubicle, or a spot that is hallowed, sacred, and set apart for prayer. Realize that that place is your holy of holies where you can ask God for protection and pray against the schemes of the devil. My mother created several spots around her mountain home and its gardens and its woodlands for this very purpose. Well, that's the background of Ephesians 6.18. It's given to us within the context of spiritual warfare. So, with that context established, let's look at this verse now, phrase by phrase. First, we're told, pray in the Spirit. We have a very similar commanding, Jude, chapter 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that prayer is like any and every other aspect of our Christian and biblical experience. We cannot do it on our own, but only in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Only Jesus Christ can live the life of Jesus Christ. And if you and I are to ever be Christ-like, it will be Jesus Christ himself living his life through us by the indwelling Holy Spirit who indwells us from the moment of our conversion. That means that it isn't totally up to us to resist temptation on our own. Jesus is resisting it through us by his Spirit who indwells us. We are not preaching or teaching on our own. Jesus is doing it through us by his Spirit. We are not worshiping on our own. Jesus is worshiping through us by his Holy Spirit. We are not raising our children on our own. Jesus is doing it through us by his Holy Spirit. And when it comes to prayer, we are not just trying to pray in our own energy 
and in our own abilities and with our own intelligence and with the fervor that comes from our own emotions, Jesus was the greatest prayer warrior who ever walked across the face of the earth, and he prays through us by his Holy Spirit. He prompts us to pray. He teaches us to pray. He shows us how to pray. He indicates to us what we should pray, and as we pray, he is actually praying through us by the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite commentators, Dr. Gordon Fee, said, For Paul the Spirit as an experienced and living reality, was the absolutely crucial matter for the Christian life from beginning to end. The Holy Spirit, he said, is the way God is now present on earth. Paul understood prayer in particular to be the special prompting of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 tells us, The Spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship And by him, that is, by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The old commentator Matthew Henry said that praying in the Spirit means to pray, quote, under his guidance and influence, according to the rule of his word, with faith, fervency, and earnestness. This, he said, is praying in the Holy Spirit. And I think that sums it up very well. But let's back up and remember that the book of Ephesians is a treasure trove of verses about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says that when you belong to Jesus Christ, you are marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In chapter 1, verse 17, Paul prayed that God would give us the spirit of wisdom to know Jesus better. According to Ephesians 2.18, we have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 2.22, we learn that God constantly lives within us by His Spirit, by His Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 3.16, we discover that it's the Holy Spirit who gives us inner strength and who empowers us in the internalness of our hearts. We're told not to grieve the Holy Spirit in chapter 4, and chapter 5 says, Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing with psalms, hymns, and songs in your spirit. Ephesians 6.17 tells us to weld the sword of the Spirit, and now we're told to pray in the Spirit. So to pray in the Spirit, like all of these other activities, is to do so not in our own name or strength or power, but to pray as a believer who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and empowered by the Spirit. Everything about our Christian life is under the control and direction and empowering of the Holy Spirit and that includes an effective prayer life. Dr. Fee believes that Paul may also have had in mind something here about praying in tongues, which frankly has not been a part of my own prayer life. It's not something that I've experienced, but in any case, said Dr. Fee, whether that is true or not, Paul considered prayer to be, above all, an activity empowered by the Spirit. Well, maybe the most practical way we can apply this is to tell the Lord at the beginning of our regular daily prayer time, Lord, fill me now with your Spirit as I pray. 
and may the Holy Spirit empower me as I pray, join with my requests as I pray, and guide my thoughts and emotions as I pray so that they will be effectively answered before your throne. I trust the power of the Holy Spirit to empower my prayers with a fervency that is beyond my own ability. Well, let's read on. Verse 18 goes on to say that we are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. We discover as we read in the Psalms that King David did that very thing. I mean, we don't have time to go through all of the Psalms, but just listen to this. In Psalm 4, he prayed before going to bed. In Psalm 5, he prayed before beginning his day. In Psalm 5, he also prayed when he felt like groaning. In Psalm 6, he prayed when he had sinned. In Psalm 7, he prayed when he was under attack. In Psalm 8, he prayed when he was overwhelmed with the beauty of nature. In Psalm 9, he prayed when he was happy and felt the Lord close to him. And in Psalm 10, he prayed when God seemed to be far away. You can go all the way through the book of Psalms and see how in any and every situation of their lives, the psalmist turned those things into prayer. It's really wonderful to learn to get into the habit of pausing to pray throughout the day. Now, I'm still working on this. I'm sure maybe you are too. But just imagine the constant fellowship that we would have with the Lord if we paused and whispered a prayer before starting any project or making any phone call or attending any meeting or making any financial transaction or going to join friends for coffee. What if we ask God to guide our conversation and to bless us and to make us a blessing as we encounter people throughout the day? While I believe in having a daily time of prayer set aside and woven into our daily routine, that does not erase the need to pray without ceasing. We are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And thirdly, finally, it says pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Well, how many different kinds of prayers are there? I don't know. Maybe there are thousands. Let me suggest some. There is memorized prayer. Back in 1873 in Istanbul, a brilliant theologian and, and an archbishop was doing research in his monastery, and he found a cache of ancient manuscripts, and among them was a document that we call the Didache. It is now recognized as the oldest document in the history of the church apart from the New Testament itself. I'd like to do a podcast in the future on the Didache. It might even date from the first century, and it describes how the very early church worshipped right after the time of the apostles. Reading it is like peeking through the shutters of a local congregation at the end of the first century. Well, what did they pray when they assembled together? They prayed the very words that we ourselves often pray still today in our assemblies and in our homes when we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and so forth. This is a prayer that I memorized as a child. I don't even remember when or how or where I memorized it. We just said it so often at various gatherings back in those days. I'm very worried that even in our churches, children today are not memorizing the Lord's Prayer or the 23rd Psalm or even John 3.16. 
That's why we need strong Bible memorization programs like Awana or others in our churches and homes. But the wonderful thing about memorized prayers is we can offer them over and over with persistence and perseverance so long as we don't let them become mere mindless repetitions. Some of our great hymns are also memorized prayers, aren't they? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. And then there are written prayers. Sometimes when I'm having trouble praying in any other way, I'll write out a prayer. If in the future one of my great-grandchildren uncovers my journals in a forgotten box in the attic, he'll find many prayers I've written out. It's a biblical practice. Many of the psalms that I referred to earlier are actually written prayers. Third, there are bedtime prayers. I read about one little girl who was having her bedtime prayers, and her mother came in and heard her laughing up a storm. Going into the room, she scolded her for laughing and giggling during her prayer time, but the little girl said, It's okay, Mom. I was just telling God a joke. I think it's wonderful how she felt such fellowship with the Lord. It was just natural. I heard a lady say the other day how often she awakens in the night and, unable to go back to sleep, begins praying for the people that she holds dear in her life. And then there are Scripture prayers. Over the last few years, I've learned something about the power of turning the Bible into a prayer book. I have a couple of people on my prayer list uh, who... I have, well, I have special verses for not just a couple of people, but for several people on my prayer list. And so for one person, for example, I'll pray Romans fifteen thirteen regularly. Now may the God of hope fill you, or I will say fill her with all joy and peace as she trusts in you so that she will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got one fellow in my life and I pray for him that God would be his good shepherd and lead him by still waters and restore his soul and protect him in the dark valleys. You can take any scripture almost, especially our favorite ones, and turn them around and pray them regularly into the lives of your loved ones. And then there are what I call quick prayers. Missionary Amy Carmichael said that Dr. F. B. Meyer told her that when he was young, he was very irritable, but an old man told him to look up to the sky the moment that he felt his anger rising and just say, Thy sweetness, Lord. Amy Carmichael learned that whenever she came across someone she didn't like, she could look up and say, Your love, Lord, or your patience, Lord, or I need your wisdom, Lord, or your help, Lord. At any moment we can say that, just two or three words on one occasion. Jesus offered a prayer that was nothing more than a sigh. It says he lifted his eyes up to heaven and sighed. I found that sometimes I can just lift my heart up to heaven and say, sometimes with a sigh, Lord, give me patience, give me strength. And then there are walking prayers. Over the years, the term prayer walking has become popular. People pray all the while that they are walking. Sometimes people literally walk around a particular geography, claiming it for the Lord. I studied once the life of the Civil War evangelist E.M. Bounds, who wrote so much about prayer. 
and I read that every afternoon in his little town in Alabama, he would go for a long afternoon walk and pray for every family in the houses that he passed. But there's an even earlier example. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, the children of Israel conducted a prayer walk as they marched around the city of Jericho, claiming it for the Lord. And then, best of all, there are the regular daily prayer times that help comprise our quiet time, as like I've mentioned so many times to you. Um, If you'll have a little place of prayer or a prayer nook or an alcove in your house, you can go there every single day, and you can talk to the Lord on a regular basis and pray with regular, consistent prayers. That's part of the all kinds of prayers and requests that this verse is talking about. Christianity Today ran a profile of the late British pastor John Stott, who was for many years the rector of All Souls Church in London. The article was written by a former research assistant to Dr. Scott, who knew his daily habits intimately. He said that Dr. Scott began every day at 5 a.m. He swung his legs over the side of the bed, and he started the day with a version of this Trinitarian prayer. He would say something like this, Good morning, Heavenly Father. Good morning, Lord Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I worship you as the creator and sustainer of the universe. Lord Jesus, I worship you, Savior and Lord of the world. Holy Spirit, I worship you, sanctifier of the people of God. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And then Dr. Scott would go on to pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I pray that I may live this day in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, three persons and one God, have mercy upon me. Amen. Well, that's quite a mouthful, but when you pray the same thing every single day with meaning, then it becomes really embedded not only in your memory, but in your heart. And for decades, Dr. Stott began each day with a version of those prayers. And then in this article, it said that he had a small leather notebook stuffed full of folded papers and held together with a rubber band. And each morning, having read three chapters of the Bible and meditating and having meditated over them, he opened his prayer book and prayed for his families, his friends, ministries, even for strangers. He kept a daily prayer list that was always under revision. And then he had a prayer calendar that listed missionary projects and people groups around the world. He prayed over these things without haste or hurry. And this is the way he would begin each morning. And every one of us needs to develop a pattern of regular prayer in our lives. Dr. Stott's system may seem overwhelming to you. We may not do it just as he did. But the idea of methodical daily prayer is one of the great secrets of the strong, happily abiding 
contented and fruitful life. There are so many other kinds of prayers, too. There are corporate prayers. When we pray together, there are prayers of confession and prayers of thanksgiving and pastoral prayers at church and so forth. Learning to pray effectively is a lifelong adventure, but I hope that this one verse is an encouragement for you to work out on your own the habits and practices that will work for you. Maybe somewhere in this message today, you've gotten a single hint or a spur of motivation to do as this verse says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Well, thank you for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. And please share this podcast with a friend. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company Clearly Media. Audio editing is done by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler posts each of these episodes to my website, robertjmorgan.com, where you can find them, download them, and you'll also find there many other resources. The music is by Jordan Davis. Thanks for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.